Welcome back to another episode of The Set Position. My name is Cole Warner, along with my co-host, Zach Kruger. And Zach, we have quite the guest on with us today, uh, Stephen Widowson. He's the head men's soccer coach at Millersville University. Um, we both played under him, so we're extremely happy to have him on. So, Widow, thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for, uh, for having me. I think uh, both played under me and uh, also done a bit of coaching with me as well. So I think we've, uh, you know, we've been through... Uh, every aspect of the playing coach relationship which is nice yes and widow give a little background of your coaching story where you started maybe playing wise and kind of where you're to where you're at now sure yeah no i'll try and run through it quick uh run through it, it makes me feel old with uh, so many places and things that i've done but uh you know, originally from england I, I grew up in yorkshire thankfully the best place to be in england um you know played uh, through the junior ranks and such like at barnsley football club and then made the move to the states back in 94 uh came over to Rutgers university uh main campus new brunswick and Played four years there, went on and played five years pro then in the USL um, and got into coaching pretty much straight out of Rutgers. Actually took over as the head coach of a small Division three school in New Jersey called Centenary College up in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Um, did, um, was it three years there? I think it was. And then went to York College as the assistant coach. Did five years there while I worked on my coaching licenses, got my MBA, learned a little bit more about the uh, uh, running a college program with, with uh, Mark Ludwig over there for several years and then uh, made the move to Millersville, did one year uh, working as an assistant under the legendary Bob Charles at Millersville and then uh, I've been there ever since. Uh, also did, um, was it 14 years coaching with the Harrisburg City Islanders uh, professional team as well. So, you know, worked a lot at the level, level college level, pro level, um, same on the playing side as well. Very nice. And you just won a PSAC title this past year? Uh, is, yes, second in a row, which was nice. Back um, back, baby, uh, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Make yeah, it a three-peat? So, uh, well, if we have a season, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll aim at it. So it doesn't matter. Whoever wins it this year, there's going to be an asterisk next to it, I'm sure, one way or another. So, yeah. Uh, but, no, I mean, we'll, we'll give it a go. But uh, it's going to be tough, as it is for every program this year. And that's now your third, right? Uh, third total, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, 2011 was the first one. Right. Um, wow. Well, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was a fun one. <laughs> Zach, were you around, you were around for that one? Yeah, I was coaching the women in 2011 at Millersville. Yeah, and that was the Final Four run as well, right, Widow? Yeah, yeah, that was our yeah. We went crazy in the postseason there. Ran through the Peace Act, ran through the NCAA's, um, kept a shutout in every single postseason game up to the Final Four, uh, which was great. So no, it was a a great team, a great occasion, and uh, strange to think it's pushing 10 years now almost. So speaking of uh, feeling old, that's, that's where we are. You know, we know our fellow goalkeeper, I think you had on recently, right, Brad Benzing, you know, to think yep. that he is now married and has kids is just uh, it's a scary thought. You know, it really yeah, is. Max was at the championship game with us, which is Brad's son. He was at the, at the game against Gannon. Yeah, yeah. 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 Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. I'm, a, I'm actually um, Brad and Haley's officiant for their wedding. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, so I get to marry them after awesome. all these years. Yeah, yeah. that'd be a fun yeah. wedding. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. Millersville <laughs> uh, yeah. alum weddings usually are. Yeah, we always get to Olay at the weddings, which is awesome because yeah. uh, people who listen to this don't know this, but one of the traditions at Millersville is that you get to Olay after a win, which is like you get to sing in the showers. And it's, it's, it's one of the things that you look forward to after a win because it's a lot of fun, but um, you don't get to if you lose or tie. So that's the, that's the deal. 
And um, the, after you graduate, there's nothing like an OLA. You don't because you don't get to do them anymore. So um, we we said that at weddings you get the OLA, which is yeah. No, it's it's good to hear that stuff goes on. I know the the older alumni certainly appreciate that um, that the OLA is still part of a tradition in our program. And uh, you know, I'm a, a guy of tradition and things like that. We want to keep it going, and that's one of the ones I think will will certainly be there as long as I'm there, which will hopefully still be for a while yet. Yeah, yeah. I remember Cole when you played. Yeah. You guys were making a run in postseason that Widow would uh, record the audio, yep. you guys, like Olang, and put it in the alumni chat, and I love that. I was like, yeah, yeah. get to relive yeah, it a little bit. I do that occasionally, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the big ones. It's always yeah. nice. It's always it's uh, Zach. We I think we've co- kind of talked about this before about just the camaraderie between kind of alumni and like even if you didn't play with the person, how you how you know them. Yeah, and I think a lot of that's attributed to to widow just how he kind of keeps he keeps everybody together and just the culture he's built but um mm-hmm. it's it's pretty cool and i don't know if that's but is that just something that you feel traditions are very important to the culture of the team or is how do you feel that you've kind of kept that running no i, I do think part of that important yeah, yeah. No, I, I think they're important um, for that for, for several reasons. But one of the ones you've just said to keep people connected, they can associate. It's a it's a memory. You know, you talk about Olay. I'm sure every single alumni, you know, an Olay or two at least pops into their head of, oh, I remember when we Olayed after this game. I know when we Olayed after that game, you know. So, um, but I think the traditions like that, they provide a, provide a foundation for a program, um, you know, something that everybody gets connected to, whether you're from, you know, decades ago or you're coming into the team this year in 2020. You know, it's something that connects every single alumni. So having those long-standing, long-founding traditions, um, you're in an easy way for alumni co- to connect. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, I think some of that comes from my uh, being a Liverpool fan, you know, there's a lot of traditions and things there with, with Liverpool that really connects everybody across that whole uh, culture of fan base, players, staff and, and such like. So, you know, I'd like to replicate that a little bit with having our longstanding cultures. And as much as anything, it's, it's respect for the people that came before you as well. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what they did. This is what they were proud of. This is what uh, being a Millersville player meant to them. So, you know, it's respecting uh, the people before you and what they did uh, and, and honoring those people as well yeah well i know you haven't had the experience this yet uh I, unfortunately i did was i was an assistant coach for ship for two years and we had to play against millersville and we played at millersville and we lost in overtime and i got to experience the ola from the other end and it was not fun it was the worst <laughs> feeling in the world because you can hear the whole thing yeah in in that building and where the locker rooms are and it's not uh that was not a fun experience we're never quiet either no, never. Not never. at all. Only Not at the at start. <laughs> Only at the start. Only at the start is it quiet, and then it, it gradually gets louder. But, uh, yep. Zach, I think I was just thinking, we were talking about it on the other episode about when we first kind of came in and how – I told my story. <laughs> how our experience with – Widow, I just remember I had just transferred in, and we were, we were chatting, and I was interested in coming on the team. And um, I think at the time – things kind of fell through with whatever. And then I ended up coming in the spring, but I remember the first conversation we had, I came into your office and I think I sat down and we had a conversation. We were just chatting about goalkeeping. And um, I think you had talked to Todd at that point and talked to him, but you, the one last thing big I remember leaving that meeting was you, you saying, 
I think it would be a good idea for you to drop about 20 pounds. <laughs> it was like, but it sticks with me because, but I was like, I want this. And it made me work hard. It was a, it was a motivating piece. And Zach, I think you kind of had a similar. Well, he told me to run a mile in seven minutes. Wow. And I said, no. And he's like, all right, welcome to the team. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of the day, like we worked hard and I think it was, it's all part of the kind of that culture and, um, we wanted to get after it and we wanted to be successful. So, but it was, uh, it's always going to stick with me, Widow. That, it, that it's interesting when I, when I hear stories like that, because of course, like, I, I don't remember these things. You yeah. know, you've had a million <laughs> conversations as a coach with recruits, with players, and, you know, a player comes back, oh, you said this, you said that, we had this conversation. And like, it's great the individual recognition that, uh, that they have of those conversations and, and, and entertaining to hear on the, on the back end of things. But, but, you know, yeah, some of it is, you know, I mean, a, a big part of my belief is you, you've got to test players. Uh, and as much as anything, it's testing their commitment and their want, um, you know, to, to be successful, to join the program and to be uh, willing to put in the sacrifices that are, that are needed to play at a, a relatively high level, shall we say. So, yeah, you, you've got to push players, you've got to challenge them and you've got to test them. You know, and yeah. some people, you know, swim, some people sink, but that, that's what you've got to find out. You, you really do, because at the end of the day, you know, you're playing in those championship games, you're playing in NCAA games, you're playing in those must swing games. You know, you need to know that you've got players out there that have the correct mentality and character that they can deal with those pressures, those challenges, you know, and that's where the testing comes from on a, on a coaching side of things. Right. So thinking of, obviously we're all, three of us are goalkeepers. We have many years of experience goalkeeping amongst us. And, but what I would say that you were probably one of the best at integrating the goalkeeper that I've personally seen of in, integrating the goalkeeper within a session. And I think you have, especially when I played, I thought you always did a great job of getting the goalkeepers involved right away with whatever was going on. Um, so what are some, what are some things you have done throughout your years of coaching to get the goalkeepers integrated right, right away? And how do you, what is your feeling on what parts of, should the goalkeeper be involved in and what parts might they need to go off and do on their own? Yeah. I mean, some of it, uh, some of it varies and some of it depends, you know, I mean, there are times when you've, you've got to do things with the field players. There's times when you want to involve the goalkeepers, but I think the important thing is coming from a goalkeeping background, being a goalkeeper myself, I think it's knowing and understanding the mentality of goalkeepers is pretty easy. I mean, I, to be honest, I think you were a little flattering there. I, I don't think I maybe did it as much as you were alluding to and things like that. And you want to, but I always want to make sure I'm communicating with the goalkeepers and saying that, Hey, you know, you've got an hour today and maybe, yeah, work on this, this, and this. So I'll give you some ideas or like, Hey, you know, just get ready for 20 minutes. Cause I want you get to want to get you into the session early and this is what we're going to work on. So maybe you guys work on this. You know, there are some things that, you know, are a little bit, more maybe back pass oriented so you know get a little bit of handling in but make sure your feet are ready to go and things like that so i think the the communication the understanding and then yeah how can we integrate the goalkeepers in and it, it's important to do that these days i mean i think the you know obviously with the back pass rule and the reliance on back passes and now 
uh, certainly at the college level, you've got the changes to the goal kick rule as well with being able to play just within your box and playing quicker within the 18-yard box. You know, that ability to play with your feet um, is important. The ability to read what's going on in front of you is important. The reading of several passes ahead, you know, you want to give it to your fullback, but you've got to see where he's going to go next, especially if you're in your own 18-yard box. It's important for them to work on those things, develop those things, so it's important to get them into the sessions as early as possible. So, you know, I think you look at that, what are the strengths, what are the, the weaknesses, uh, you know, and how can we develop them within the team setting? Yeah. And I know, like, there was several sessions where we would come out as goalkeepers and we'd be right into um, passing patterns. Mm-hmm. Or we'd do, um, what I always remember is the end zone game, where you had the two goalkeepers in each end zone and they had, um, you're working with a defending team, but then the attacking team was trying to put the ball into your hands. And um, those, for me at times, were some of, I mean, personally, were some of my favorite sessions just because it was things I didn't feel that I got to work on as much as I would have liked to if I was just off on my own doing goalkeeping stuff. It would have been, it's nice to be able to get in and work on your footwork and work on passing and receiving a ball. And then um, the end zone game, I think, was was interesting just from the fact that you're def- you're working with the defending team, but trying to find a space to receive a ball from the attacking team as well. So it was kind of this dual mentality. So, um, Zach, did you do a lot of the same stuff as well? Yeah. I mean, uh, my role was very different than some other people's role in that team. But, you know, if I was coaching, I was always working like what he said, you know, going from 20 minutes to an hour with them and having a plan and, and executing that plan as efficiently as I can. And then communicating you know, what I thought of the performance of the training session. And then on top of that, making my rounds around the next thing that you're talking about, integrating the goalkeeper into the game, you know, my perspective was just branching into how can I further layer in coaching points? You know, let's just say I was working with Brad and it was, hey, like, how are you communicating with your back four, like in that type of a, of a scenario? And, you know, what, what terms are you using? Like all those kinds of layers of coaching points when you're starting to connect them you know, to more of their, their back four, maybe they're holding mid, whatever the, the drill, you, you know, you're describing may be. But when I played, yeah, it was, it was a lot of that same stuff where, you know, you, you have to be able to deal with the ball with your feet and, um, you know, showing on angles and support on the under, all that kind of stuff was definitely something that was always reiterated. Um, and it was interesting when I was playing versus coaching, you know, uh, like I got no slack at all. Like it was, you know, you're held to a standard, period. And that's, that's clear from day one. So uh, I remember my first session, I got reamed out and it was totally acceptable. It was, it was, was, you know, deserved, but at the same time, like you can't, it has to be clear, right? The standard has to be there and the standard has to be met. So, yeah, I mean, it was very similar to what you guys are talking about. And um, the goalkeepers that came before me, you know, they had a very high standard and the goalkeepers that came after me had a very high standard. So um, it was just, it just seemed like there was always been a tradition of goalkeeping at Mosul that's just had a high standard. And it's just something that we're trying to continue to keep going, even as alums. So, yeah, I think the important thing uh, with integrating the goalkeeper into your team kind of sessions is that you're starting to get the tactical side of the game, which obviously when you're working with your goalkeeper coach, your goalkeeper trainer, you know, you're just working as a small group. That's all technical. You know, there's very little tactical things you can bring out of there. You know, you can discuss, you know, um, you know, your angles and things like that a little bit, but, 
once you start getting in a team setting, whether it be a, you know, a to goal game or something like you've talked about, Cole, with the, you know, I call it the game to the goalkeeper's hands, where, they, where you're pinging it in. Now you're starting to get that tactical learning that, for the goalkeeper, which is so hard to come across and so important for them communication, decision-making, distribution, you know, all the things that truly make a goalkeeper uh, as opposed to a shot stopper, you know, because you see a lot of goalkeepers and you see them in training and in the technical side of things, you're like, damn, he's good. He's got quick feet. He's got good hands. You know, he can ping a ball left, right, and center. You put him into a tactical situation and he's awful. You know, he's, sure. yeah, it doesn't matter how good your hands are. If you can't read a situation, if you can't communicate with your defense, you don't know when to come for a cross or tell them to clear, you know, so that's all the stuff that you need to get out with integrating them into the team situation is it gives them that tactical understanding and also taking the technical side of the game and putting it into a tactical situation. You know, so yeah, your feet are good when you're just playing in the six yard box and the goalkeeper coach is just pinging it in nice and easy. But can you play it when it's bobbling a little bit and you've got a six two center forward screaming down at you trying to block it? Do you have the composure to get a good contact on it, you know, and deal with that pressure, you know, and they're the things you're going to see in games. So we've got to expose our goalkeepers to those in training as much as we can. Yeah. Is that something that you're looking for in the recruiting process as well? I mean, you try to, and, and probably you get a little bit more of that in the, in the recruiting side of things, because most of the time you're only seeing goalkeepers in game situations at tournaments and things. I mean, to be honest, recruiting goalkeeping is one of the hardest things to do because you are relying on the game coming to the goalkeeper. You know, that's the hard thing about our position. Any other player can go and get himself in the game as opposed to a goalkeeper. You've got to wait for the game to come to you. So, you know, you can watch a 40 minute half and the goalkeeper has two goal kicks and, you know, one back pass to deal with, and you've got to make a judgment somehow. How. So you are seeing a lot more on the technical side of things, but that's why it's good to get goalkeepers into ID clinics and clinics and summer camps and things, because then at least you get to see their training habits, you get to see their technical abilities, uh, and then you can build into the tactical side of things as well. Yeah. Now you've obviously had some very successful goalkeepers throughout your tenure at at Millersville. I mean, look back at like Matt Langioni, and then you had Benzing, and then. I guess maybe myself, but, um, and then not, you had not, not blowing your own trumpet. No, I'm not, no. I'm really not trying to. Here Notice at all. You, didn't mention, you didn't mention my name. In there. Well, I, I, you had I'm Zach in there. You had, you had a player coach and Zach who was, who <laughs> yeah, was there very we successful go. as the, as a goalkeeping side of things. And then you, did, uh, Darian McCauley just graduated, um, mm -hmm. who we've recently had on. So do you think integrating the goalkeeper into those sessions has helped the goalkeepers be successful throughout their time at Millersville? Uh, I would think so. Um, you know, and certainly this, this is not down to me. It's down to the goalkeepers and the goalkeeper coaches that are brought in, such as Zach Kruger. I mean, look at the quality that he brought as a goalkeeper coach. So, um, but no, I, I think that does bring in a long way because I look at, um, you know, several of those names that you, that you brought out there, uh, you know, Lange way back in the day, you know, not the tallest goalkeeper in the world, certainly had some struggles with, with services, with crosses, with dealing with pressure. Uh, even Darian, you know, our most recent one, you know, he had some, some issues with, you know, dealing with back passes and things like that. It was things he had to develop that, again, were more on the tactical side of things. And to be honest, that's, that's the easier and quicker side to bring along within a couple of years. You know, at the end of the day, if you don't have the handling and the footwork coming into college, that takes a long time to really pick up and get there. Uh, but, you know, we can work on those more tactical things, you know, improving your back pass, you know, dealing with your communication, you know, you're dealing with services, those kind of things. So, so yeah, I, I think trying to get them in that game and play in and competitive environment, you know, certainly helps them. Um, and plus as much as anything, you feel part of the team, 
you know, we all know it as goalkeepers. You, you know, the, the, um, you know, the mentality of just stick them in a corner and let them do their goalkeeper thing. You know, that's that's one of the worst things you can do. There's times when you just can't help it. But again, I think with communication and limiting it, you can get away with it. But yeah, get them in the games, get them involved as much as we can. And and we've been doing, and, and certainly this upcoming year, I'm going to do even more uh, with goalkeepers with that back pass stuff in possession kind of things. You know, we're actually talking about just changing our training a, a little bit and trying to, um, you know, do a little less on the pure technical side and really put it into more game oriented stuff and, you know, using the goalkeepers as outlets, um, you know, not just in, you know, we don't want to throw them in the middle of possession because obviously goalkeepers, it's, it's not a 360 degree position, right. but you know, it's great to use them as outlets as neutral players on the outside of possession grids, uh, you know, that you can play into because that's realistic for them. Uh, so, you know, trying to put them into more of those situations within possession oriented exercises is good. And then our field players also get comfortable with playing the goalkeeper. They look up, they see the goalkeeper in possession drills, you know, they're going to be a lot more comfortable doing that in an actual game as well so you know we've done more and we're going to continue to do more with that kind of thing yeah and i think even be beyond integrating the goalkeeper into the session is as well during when the goalkeepers are off doing their own thing maybe working the goalkeeper coaches as the goalkeeper coach we've got to work on trying to make game realistic situations for the goalkeeper not just focus on purely the okay, step over these cones and catch a ball. We, we've got to start working into these game realistic situations that will ultimately help when we do get integrated into the sessions so now everything kind of comes together and makes sense. Zach? Yeah, I was going to say the, the piece that always stuck out to me the most was having somebody there for me. Like when I was playing, we had Dave Flynn who, who coached me and Brad, and um, you know, he was there almost every other day. And it was really nice to have someone who was totally invested into working with us, I think it'd be, it would have been a lot more challenging if it was just like if it was just widow and no one else. I think that's a difficult thing. So we kind of touched on he's had a, he's had a couple of people over the years that have kind of stepped in and helped in, and coached. And I think as a head coach now, realizing how important that that piece is to the puzzle, um, you know, because it's very difficult to try to juggle the whole team session plus try to run some sort of goalkeeping session. And if you have somebody else there that can do that and you trust, I think it definitely gives you uh, an advantage uh, from a coaching staff point of view yeah it's uh, it's absolutely massive that as you said as a head coach you've got so many things you're dealing with and not just on the field but off the field as well as a college coach um but you know i i also try and do a little bit of work with the goalkeeper and certainly in preseason, you know because you know most of our goalkeeper coaches like yourselves have been you know volunteer coaches so they're in once or twice a week you know they might be able to just come for the morning session in preseason. so you know i always try and take a few sessions with the goalkeepers just for an hour um, as much as anything it, it just demonstrates that you care about that position you want to help them you know it would be too easy to be oh, just work on your own which we still do but at least if there's a few times you go over there and say you know what right now today for this next hour you guys are the most important thing to me you know i think that speaks volumes to the goalkeepers as well that yes you are watching them yes you care about them and yes you want to make sure that you're getting as much um, work and quality for them as, as possible what if you're talking to a coach who has no goalkeeping experience at all how would that conversation go for like a piece of advice for someone who has no goalkeeping background at all who's a head coach 
as a head coach. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's a different matter. You know, it's, it's, it's about comfort, you know, and, and anybody can train goalkeepers. You know, there's, there's a difference between training goalkeepers and coaching goalkeepers, I feel. Um, so, you know, you can find some, some basic, simple things from a goalkeeper coach that you can probably then go in and work with yourself uh, just for basic footwork handling, you know, little bits like that. And you just, you, you keep your coaching points to a minimum because at the end of the day, again, there's a difference between training and coaching. Um, you know, I can certainly do goalkeeper coaching, but to be honest, I, I do a lot more of the training side of things, you know, because again, at the college level and, and certainly when I've got a goalkeeper coach, I want to make sure there's some consistent messages there. So, you know, I don't want to be stepping on his toes. Um, so, so again, I think you don't need that much experience to, to train a goalkeeper. Coaching the goalkeeper, I think, is, is very different and where you've got to be careful if you don't have that background, if you don't have that, that knowledge, you don't have that insight. Because at the end of the day, we're, you know, we're all crazy as goalkeepers and we have a different mentality. So, you know, and, and unless you've done it, you, you don't always fully understand that. So, you know, you've just got to be careful how you approach it. But again, training, I think anyone can step in and do it enough for 20, 30 minutes to get a goalkeeper ready, give them some good sharp stuff. Uh, and I think a goalkeeper would really appreciate that probably even more because as a non-goalkeeper you've taken the time and thought and effort to again say i care about you so i'm gonna you know step outside of my box so that i can help you uh by developing my knowledge yeah, yeah i think i think i started out as a trainer more than a coach because i didn't really know what i was doing um but i think i evolved on a great demo session though what are you talking about it was not good i don't know what you're talking about um i think it was like 80 movements before a ball to hands or something like that yeah i had no idea what i was doing um, and looking back at it now, I, I, I've told you this, like, I can't believe you actually gave me the chance, but I saw myself grow very quickly and learn a lot. Um, I remember you would just come down and run a session and you'd be like, replicate this session. So like in that idea was teaching me how to be a trainer. And then over the years working with you, I learned how to be a coach, which was great. And which has helped me, you know, obviously and helped Cole even, uh, our, in our pathway as coaches. So. Yeah. And I think, the Zach, you made a good point about the giving chances thing. I think, widow, I think that was something that uh, I think Zach and I both experienced through our time at Millersville is you're willing to give anybody a chance as long as they're willing to put in the effort. I mean, for the most part, but you're willing to give people a chance as long as they're willing to put in the effort and they have what it takes to compete at that level. And um, I think it's, that was the great part of the program was that as long as you're going to work hard and put in what, what's being asked of you, there's plenty of opportunity to be had. Um, within the program, which is great. No, this this is true. You know, character and mentality take people a, a long, long way. And, and to be honest, other separators a lot of times. You know, there's a lot of people with with enough talent. There certainly is. I've seen many, many, many of those types of players, whether it be at the pro level or at the college level. You know, they've got the talent, but they don't have the character. They don't have the mentality. They don't have the attitude. They don't have the professionalism. You know, and, and that's really where a player that could be behind on talent can put himself ahead, you know, and, uh, you know, you guys both did a great job of that, of, of, of listening, of understanding, um, you know, knowing what needed to be done. And, you know, my biggest credit to you and, and all of my players that have stuck through and been through it is that, you know, you've trusted me, you've trusted the process, you've trusted the advice, you know, and, and the players that have done that. I've experienced some tremendous success and, you know, and it's more important than success. They've experienced things that have been, you know, lifelong memories for them. Uh, they've created lifelong friendships such as, such as you two guys doing this right now. I mean, who'd have thought that would have happened. So, and that, 
that makes me as, as proud as anything. Like, you, you know what? It's great to give guys championship T-shirts and championship rings and things like that. But, you know, for me to see the connection that alumni have, you know, still connections being created across alumni groups, you know, that's, that's as, 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 as rewarding and satisfying as, as anything for me. And just hearing the stories, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that, that keeps me entertained all day long. I think one of my favorite stories, and Cole, I don't know if you were there for this. Um, we both work for your for your camps over the summer, like every year. We're always there. Um, and the one year Riley came into the into like the lobby, and you were like reaming it, Devin out. And Riley came around the corner. You're like, "Oh, hey, what's up, man? Like, how's it going?" And then Riley left, and then you went back to reaming Devin out. <laughs> so I do remember that. Oh I do God. remember that. I was like, whoa, like that was so awesome. Like everyone just like stopped and like watched it happen too. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. Cause it was like widow being widow and then like dad widow. And then right back to, you know, <laughs> I, lo- I loved that dynamic. It was great. Yeah. Adaptable. Right. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking no, of uh, camp story, Zach. Oh, remember the one. It's widow. just the one where I was got caught the- in the locker room playing four square with the guys. And no, no, no. I- I'm talking about a, a, a particular player that we had a goalkeeper that we had at camp is this thing we talked about that we talked about and that widow got an email about yeah and um you were too very, hard on him cole yeah i was too hard on him widow do you remember this email? oh yeah 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 no i yeah i know which one you're talking about yeah he was yeah you were very frustrated with him yeah nah, i i know he's talking about yeah 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 that yeah, was uh what an experience with, yeah i i think Zach, which the, one were you gonna say well, I was, I was going to say, like, I think in that situation, you know, being a younger coach, it is easy to get frustrated. But when you have, like, a core value of hard work and being open to learning, which is two of our huge things, and then you have someone who you're working with who's not bought into those two things, I think it makes it very hard to coach them. They're not very coachable yeah. in, in that moment. So I, I would see that being frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, your, your perfect scenario is you want a bunch of players like yourself. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably the – one of the hardest arts of being a coach you know you talk about the science and the art of coaching you know one of the the, the biggest things of the art of coaching is being able to adjust to other characters adjust to other people still see qualities and then how can you get it out and you know you guys are talking about as you know as young coaches i guess i'm an old coach but i still struggle with that i really do you know if i can find 26 gung-ho crazy yorkshiremen like myself who just want to work their tails off like my life would be easy you know but um especially with more modern generations and modern thinking and things like that it's it's hard to find that type of character it's it's glorious when you come across it but there's not enough so you know i it's still a struggle to you know how can i get my message across, I think, is the most important thing because, you know, I, I especially grew up with, with characters and people that, you know, you could get in their face, you could scream, you could yell, and it would get the reaction that you were looking for. That's not the case anymore. So it's, it's how do you display your passion? How do you display, you know, that you are caring? And, you know, I've had this conversation many times over the last few years about, look, I'm, I'm not yelling because I'm mad. If I'm yelling, by your definition, it's because I'm passionate because I care you know it's it's when I'm not yelling and I'm quiet and you think I should be yelling that's when you really need to worry I've experienced uh, so, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah 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 so so again that's that's a big art of coaching it's 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 working with people that are not like yourself and maybe don't have the same values as yourself but they're still valuable 
-hmm. and that's what you've got to make the, the decision between because some of them no they're not valuable and, they, and you need to let them go and you need to move on but some of them can still be very valuable even though they're very different to you uh, the one there's one person that comes to mind when you talk about that and that's eric pepper and okay. how different he was from a lot of those values but at the same time was so important to, to the to the program especially yeah. in 2011 you know it was his senior year but Mm -hmm. that that personality kept us going you know yeah. and it, it kept everything light and energetic he was a very yeah, he, funny guy. he brought something that was 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 fantastic and it was it was personality character and he was a gamer he, mm -hmm. he really was eventually i mean he took a while to learn and figure it out as well but that's what you're talking about I, I knew he had something that was important and if it came out it would be brilliant aaron roland is one of his you know great friends here was very similar you know he took a good two and a half three years to really figure it out and then you know he's back end of his junior year and certainly his senior year he was fantastic for us but uh again you know just time for to come out yeah it's also important though as a coach to let that player's personality flow and yeah. to let as, them show it as much as you can as long as it's not interfering with the big picture you know and that's probably where it's easy to let some players go you know we we had one in the program this year that was just one or two you know, they didn't meet our core values. They were causing a lot of problems. They had talent. Don't get me wrong. They had, they had ability and they had talent, but they were they were a weight. They were pulling people down. They were causing too many problems. You know, and and there's the ones where you can't afford to give the time for them to hopefully turn the corner because you're going to lose so many other people in that process. If you know they're close enough, then you can give them the time. So it, I think it comes down to that. How close are they to what you're looking for? So what are, you were kind of talking about the, the core values. So what's the, I mean, what's that struggle like at times where you have a player that obviously is very talented, um, but the core values just aren't there. I mean, what's, is there a struggle with that sometimes of like, okay, do I, do I let this player go or do I keep them and hope to mold them and show them the way of our core values or what's, so what's that struggle like and how do you approach those situations? Um, it's different for everybody, but it certainly is a struggle, of course. Um, if anything, it's more a roller coaster. You know, you, you get those little periods where you're like, yes, this is working, this is good, and then bang, you know, they, they go all the way back to the start and, you know, make the same mistake again. So uh, I think it comes back to that art of coaching that we were talking about. And as much as anything, it's the art of man management as well as how far, how long do you keep going until you lose faith that this is never going to change. Um, you know, and again, reflecting on this season, you know, we had some players that I probably should have got rid of a lot quicker um, this year. Um, but I, you don't want to do that. You guys talked very early on about giving guys chances and widow, you always give guys chances. Uh, and I did, and I did it a little bit too long for a while. And I had some players in that, you know, probably shouldn't have lasted as long as they did. And that's when I, you know, really took a hard look at the program, made a couple of changes a few years ago, really established our core values. We kind of had values, but it was a year to year kind of thing. I really wanted something that would fit with what I want to do, fit with our alumni and really speak to the program. And that's where I came up with the, the three core values that we have at Millersville for the program, which is passion, discipline, and ambition. Um, and, and it really did help. Because as much as anything, it gave me clarity. It gave everybody clarity. You know, if you simply say, look, you're not disciplined. You're showing up late all the time. You're not going to class. You know, you're not doing this work. You're not disciplined. You don't fit our core values. I'm sorry, it's not going to work out. So it makes decision-making a lot easier. It makes direction a lot easier. Uh, and, and players can't have any excuses. I mean, we, we hammer that into them as much as we possibly can. So, again, it, the clarity is really the big thing.
Yeah. Yeah. It's always, I think, I think we've all kind of experienced it of like that player that is talented in the roller coaster you kind of talked about widow of like, okay, we're, we're having good moments and then we hit rock bottom and then we have good moments and we try to give, try to give as many chances as we, as we can to a player, but there just comes a point where we just have to cut ties. It's just, yeah. unfortunately it's not working out for you as a player or us as a team. So we've, it's like a relationship gone bad and yeah. just kind of got to cut ties and um, move on and go our separate ways. Mm-hmm. And the timing of that is the, is the difficult thing. Um, yeah. You know, again, with, with players we had this year and even last year, I didn't want to do it in the middle of the season. Sometimes you have to, uh, but you know, it's, it's easier to get through the season because you know, they've, they've been around and they have contributed in one way or another. So, you know, again, you get to the end of the season, it gives you that fresh slate to kind of start again. And that's, that's where you ha- really have the toughest decision of, do you let them go now? Or do you see if, you know, they can work it through the spring and um, you know, certainly this year, I, as any year, you know, I, I get as much feedback as I possibly can. This is not a decision I make on my own um i ultimately make the final one but you need as much information as possible so you know i i talked to my seniors that were leaving i talked to my seniors that were going to be the upcoming seniors the next year uh, obviously talking to my assistant coaches as well um you know and when you're when you're doing little things with them and asking them questions and the answers all come back the same then it makes it easy you know at least you know hey i want to get rid of this player and you talk to eight people and you know you're just blind and say look if you had to get rid of three players, who would they be? And the number one on everybody's list is the same. Then it makes it easy. You know, yeah. it justifies your decision. But um, you know, it's just making sure you get that feedback and, and, and information because there could be something that you you just don't know. And especially from a player's side of things, you know, some of the players might say, "No, you know what? We believe in this guy. We want to keep him around." You know, and and there's some the other way. Uh, you know, we had one this fall in particular that. The, the captains, the seniors were, were not too keen on. Um, but, you know, I, I wanted to give him a chance and keep him around longer. Uh, but that's where you've got to use your experience as a, as a coach to read between the lines of how long do you keep going through all of this and, and how much um, potential benefit do you get on the back end? Yeah. And what are those conversations? Do you have conversations along the way with some of those players that you feel are not fitting those core values? Are there conversations along the way with, that you have with them of like, okay, here's what I'm seeing and, Here's where things aren't meshing. With the players themselves? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Multiple, multiple, multiple times. So, no, I mean, you, you can't just pull it as a, as a shot out of the dark, you know. So, you know, most of the time when you get to pull in that trigger finally, it's, it's not a surprise. Uh, because they've seen it coming, they've had the warnings. So, you know, this, and, and that's a good thing. It does make it a little bit of an easier process when it's out of the blue. That's when it gets to be difficult and, you know, parents start to get involved and things like that, which, which nobody wants to deal with. Uh, but occasionally you, you, you've got to do that. Uh, but again, I think if it's been outlined, it's been dealt with and you've given multiple chances, then, you know, it does make it a lot easier. Yeah, it's finding that right time to kind of you kind of add up all these different maybe instances that have kind of occurred and then finally yeah. finding that right time to uh what, to go what would be one of the hardest things you've had to go through since you kind of talked about this roller coaster everyone's had highs and those are the best things to talk about right those are the fun things to talk about you know obviously winning is great but you know what are some of the hardest things you've learned in your career and how did you persevere through some of those things Oh, I mean, some of this that we're talking about, again, about how far you take players, um, 
you know, one of the things was I found that I, I wasn't enjoying seasons as, as much as I should be. Um, I also wasn't seeing as much development from junior into senior year in particular for, for some reason. So, you know, I put a lot more time into leadership development um, and, and things like that as well. But, you know, again, just keeping these players around that you know are not right, but you're hoping that on the field they're going to do something for you but then they end up never doing it anyway, you know, knowing you should get rid and sticking with them that eats away at you as well. So I think that was the, the big thing that I learned where it took many years. Uh, and again, it was about two years ago that I made that decision. There were some, some certain things, certain issues and certain players I had to deal with and deal with and deal with. And it, it took my enjoyment out. And if I, if I'm not enjoying myself, then my players are not going to be enjoying it. I mean, I'm, I can be up and down as much as anybody, as you guys know. Uh, but you know, I want to try and keep as close to an even keel as possible. And if you're dealing with adversities, you're dealing with difficulties, you know, I got to the point where you're coming down to training almost every day and you're thinking, what am I going to deal with today? If you're in that mindset, then you know something needs to change. And that's when I took a whole, uh, you know, big step backwards, looked at everything. Okay, what do I need to do different? How can we make this different? What can we change? Uh, we went through a bunch of changes, I say, two years ago. And, you know, coincidentally enough, you know, we go on and win two championships in a row. You know, and that was the aim. You know, we kept getting there i mean we've been to four of the last five finals in PSAC, you know but we kept getting to semi-finals we kept getting to finals and it was that last little hurdle and and that's what and this decision of the you know, good how do we get to be great how do we get to that next little thing and it's all those little things that i think we're eating away and stopping us making that final little jump and, and again went through all that assessment changed the structure of the team changed a lot of things that we did uh, you know we brought in gps trackers there was a lot of different things that we did so i can't just wholly say that we created core values we stuck to them and that's why we won the right. championships or we changed the format of the team and, and how we structure organizational leadership accountability empowering players we did a lot of that you know there's so many things we did i don't think we can point at one where i think the accumulation of all those little changes or big changes that we made you know really pushed us over the edge in the end and but i think a big piece of it was about that team chemistry team camaraderie direction you know and at least if some players weren't bought in everybody at least the the overall collective strength made up for those two or three that i think you're always going to have that are not quite there yeah I think it was great too. And what I do, I remember when you made, started making that change towards that core, your change of the core values and really honing those in. I remember you kind of reaching out to some alumni during that time and just trying to get some opinion. I think that was um, for maybe coaches looking to kind of do that. I think that's a great thing to do when you're maybe reevaluating your culture or really looking at those core values that you're looking to instill within your team. I think it's great to bring alumni feedback in because I think they've obviously experienced it. Some of them, hopefully a lot of them four years, maybe some a little bit less, but you can kind of get some great feedback from them of um, what they thought were the core values during their time or what the culture was like during their time there and what helped to make them they feel successful during that time. Yeah, but I remember I remember going through that process too. We were at the convention in Philly and you kind of laid it all out there and you were like, this is what I'm thinking. And I was like, it sounds awesome because I remember you going through that little bit of a valley and getting through that maybe brought the team tighter together and you as new, you and your staff tighter and maybe even the alumni tighter. I know that that was a really good, like two, three hour long conversation we had at the convention about it. And it definitely seemed like 
you know, a whole different perspective on a way to lead or even get internal leadership into the program. So um, definitely was, I remember, I remember that like it was yesterday. It was a really good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I remember um, exactly what you're talking about. And, you know, I, a lot of it was, was my own problems. I th- think I'd got a little, little stuck. I think I'd got a little in a rut and I think I'd stopped learning um, some things, you know, kind of got of like, yeah, I'm doing well. And I got comfortable, I think was the best way to put it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, I said not long ago that I wasn't happy with how my player's leadership was developing and things like that. So I'm like, you know what? I need to be a better leader in order to create better leaders within my team. So I, you know, I went back, I did another coaching license. You know, I went back and did my premier license. I hadn't done a license in 14 years. You know, I started to look a little bit more into, um, you know, culture, team building, you know, things like that. So, you know, I started reading some books and kind of looking into things, you know, we were, as you said, at the convention, I really focused on sessions that I thought were going to help me make certain changes that I was thinking about and assessing. Um, You know, for one thing, I, you know, we then got through to like March, I'd made a bunch of changes in the ideas I put in and I read the, uh, the all blacks book, uh, legacy, you know, and I started reading that like, Oh my God, this is like stuff that I'm doing right now. I'm like, okay, if you know, I'm doing this and this is kind of how the New Zealand all blacks do things then we must be on a decent path. So it, it gave me some, um, uh, reassurances if you like, as I was reading those kind of things. But I think just that just opening up myself again, opening up my mind again, learning some things. It just, it just, woke me up a little bit I think you can say um you know and gave me a fresh direction which I'm continuing you know I mean obviously we're all at home right now doing very little you know I've been reading a bunch of things I'm looking at the next step in this kind of project if you like and we're really working hard on team culture practice culture you know I'm looking at uh you know practice styles teaching styles you know I've been reading a lot of more into the really the theory of coaching the science of coaching you know because a lot of times it's just how to coach soccer Uh, where I've been looking a lot into just the pure coaching teaching side of things so looking at you know different theories of teaching cognitive theories of teaching you know theories of learning um, you know those kind of things about okay what really speaks to my style how can I hone in my style a little bit more how can I make some adjustments with things Um, you know what speaks to me as a a coach and then how can I put it into my program so I think just that continual commitment to learning continual commitment to developing um, you know and always looking to adapt always looking to change and always looking to make improvements you know because the easy thing would be to turn around and say okay we've just won the last two championships so just keep doing what you're doing and to be honest i think that's the worst thing that you can do because everyone else is changing and looking to get better so that means they're closing the gap we've got to change and get better in order to keep the gap where it is right now yeah i think you kind of made the point without explicitly saying it but i think it's important for us as coaches to continue to learn and continue to find new ways to help us be better which in terms in turn makes our hopefully helps our team become better as well and i think that's that's really important for coaches to understand well yeah. while being authentic too yes good to you oh yeah yeah you've got to know who you are and you've got to learn who you are maybe asked it earlier but um you know i think that was probably my biggest mistake i've ever made as a coach that you know, I, I got complacent and I got a little bit comfortable. I was having success, um, but you know, I, I I I knew I could do a little bit more, and I needed to find a way. You know, it's that it's that five percent. You know, can we, can we find five percent to get a little bit better, and that'll make a difference. It's easy to come in and you know, you pick up a program that's that's never won or barely win. It, it's easy to go from being bad to good. 
again, it's that little good to great step that is the hardest thing to do. It really is. I think, uh, Zach, what do you think? Pretty much wrap this up here. I think it's been yeah. a great – go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I know. I have a good question to end with. Okay. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of off topic, and I want to get what his honest opinion on this because oh, I know he knows that, like, we have a good group of, like, core friends that we're, like, all best friends. Like, me, Cole, Brad, like, obviously my wife and all that, like, a little group, and, and Jared's in this group. So we have a, a bet going for, for the answer to this question because uh, everyone knows we're going to have you on. So who, in your mind, was the best player in handball and who was the worst player ever in handball? Oh, geez. See, you're putting me on the spot again. You guys are so honed into this. And you got to understand, when we're playing handball half the time, I'm not even paying attention. It's just a bit of fun for you guys running around. Oh, God, best and worst. And who was annoying? Jezza was pretty bad, wasn't he? Yes. <laughs> I thought Jezza was pretty awful, right? Jezza was bad. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jezza was, was definitely bad. And I'm assuming you mean in between you guys you're talking about, right, roughly? Well, just just, no, anybody, yeah. really. No, I remember. But yeah, Jezza was, yeah, Jezza was pretty brutal. Marcus uh, was pretty bad, too. Oh, yeah. Hokey no, that's was Marcus was awful. Yeah, no, Marcus I think Hokey awful. just couldn't throw it, right? Oh. <laughs> he couldn't do a real throw-in, so he certainly couldn't throw a ball around playing handball. I mean, come on. I think only went like three feet every time he threw it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think who were the who were the better ones. I think I think Matt Kadosh was uh, was pretty good when oh, he was playing. Yeah. I don't know how much you guys know him, but uh, no, he he did well with everything. Um, Colby Zeger, uh, I think, was pretty good. Mm. Was he not? Yeah, he had the volleyball background that helped him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Actually, fun fun story about Colby, real quick, and this kind of ties things together. Like two years ago, me and Liv were living in Chambersburg. And so we would meet like her parents in Harrisburg to like go out to eat because it was like halfway. Um, and we like had dinner, we were wrapping up to leave. And someone like tapped me on the shoulder, it was Colby. He's like, hey, like I saw you. I didn't see him. He's like, I just want to say hey. And like, and he gave me a hug. He's like, I just want to tell you, I love you, man. It's been a while. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh, man. Like to, to, for him to do that, he didn't have to, you know, like speaks to that family feel. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't talk to him for years, but he still felt like he could come over and, you know, say, Hey, and, you know, still have the family feel for it, which was great. I, I, I couldn't believe you did that. It was awesome. But that no, was I, know, I know it's out there. It's, 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 I know that's sometimes a hard thing when you're the head coach, you don't realize all the stuff that goes on in the background, uh, you know, alumni getting together, bumping into each other, talking to each other. You know, I've heard it from a, from a couple while we've all been locked down, you know, I know the, I think it was the late nineties group kind of had a zoom meeting all together. I mean, my, my first class that I ever brought in, um, you know, they're always together. I just, I actually just bumped into them right before everything shut down. I took Riley skiing up to Jack Frost and I saw a post from one of them and saw where it was. I'm like, they're close. So I just sent them a quick text while we're in the lodge. I'm like, are you guys still at the cabin? Like, can we stop by? I'm like, hell yeah. And we just went over with Riley and we hung out for an hour or so and just got to catch up with those guys. And they're the, they're the great times, especially when it's just off the cuff, off key and just random that you bump into each other and, you know, the, uh, the love for each other and the, and the passion for the program is still there. And it's, it's great when you have those moments because they're the kind of things that, that keep you going along. Yeah. And what are, do you guys have, I mean, uh, no, it's, I mean, it's great to have the alumni together, but uh, um, kind of wrapping this up, just want to ask, do you guys have an Instagram page? Uh, I think we do, but I think one of the players kind of ran into things. Uh. Well, I'll, <laughs> since, since I've got it and I'll, I'll go ahead and let 
people know, it's uh, Ville Soccer. So V-I-L-L Soccer, or V-I-L-L-E Soccer. Um, give it a follow, some great stuff going on with Millersville Soccer there, and um, make sure to follow us as well, right, Zach? Yeah. Follow us up there on the set position. Um, love to hear from everybody and any ideas that we may have about future episodes. So, but Widow, thank you for joining us and having a conversation about uh, goalkeeping and just soccer in general. We appreciate it. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure. I think we talked about goalkeeping a little bit in the middle there, but uh, you know, hey, it's, it's all entertainment. It's all good fun. It's uh, great to see both of you and uh, you know, very proud of what you're doing with this and uh, giving back to the game. It's, uh, that's great to see. And uh, you know, I'm glad you guys are doing well and I've, uh, I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Great. Thanks, Widow. Thanks, Widow. And uh, Zach, as always, thanks for joining us on this episode of The Set Position. Mm-hmm.